0: as we sing hymn number sixty-six at Calgary, hymn number sixty six standards. see unless you celebrate a birthday or
1: anniversary recognize All right. praise the lord it's good to be in the lord's house today and to have each one of you here with us a few things from the bulletin uh, first of all this morning uh, following the morning service we'll have a teen fundraiser and so I encourage you to plan stick around for that they'll be serving lunch uh it's going to be a mexican theme and uh it'll be a free will offering now um on the free will offering if you're going to be like excessive in your free will offering you might want to write a check so you can get credit for it or use an offering envelope okay uh, so uh that'll help towards camp expense things like that and so if you can uh stay and have part we'll just have a great time ladies thanksgiving be next saturday uh here at the church at five thirty. uh thanksgiving meal ladies always have a great time doing this a so sign-up sheet on the back table uh for what you can bring to be a help there uh, daylight Savings Time will be next Sunday, and so uh, fall back uh, with the fall, and uh, look forward to that. Uh, guest speaker on the 13th, we're going to have Brother Martin Kuhn uh, here, and we'll be celebrating and acknowledging our veterans. Uh, looking forward uh, to uh, that day and having the Kuhns here with us. A youth rally coming up uh, on November 18th, and we uh, be uh, leaving here at six o'clock, the teens will, and then we'll be observing the Lord's Supper on Tuesday, November 22nd at seven o'clock and encourage all church members to be here for that. I have a thank you card I'd like to share with you. Uh, it says thanks for your kindness and thoughtfulness. Hope you know how very much you're appreciated and what a difference you make uh it says dear smbt family there's no way we can ever say thank you enough for all the prayers texts cards and phone calls we have gotten god has truly blessed us with such wonderful friends and church family thank you for wonderful gift cards we love you ralph and mary thanks for praying for all uh, the help loading we couldn't have done it without you all the morfords and so so thankful that uh we are able to be a blessing to the Morfords; They were to us. And uh, if you want to continue to correspond with them, uh, if you still do snail smell, uh, snail snail mail, snail smelly mail, uh, if you still do that, I'll lay this on the back table back there. It has their address, uh, and you can uh, do that. To send them a snail mail. Or if you have the phone number, we just want to remember to uh, pray for them, lift them up, as they make this transition i can't think of anything harder to do than to leave a good church to move to a new area to try to find a church some of you search for churches you know how hard it is to find a good church and um so be praying for them as they make that transition i also want to say publicly thank you to the fosters for opening your home to us last night we had such a great time we always do you guys just Go all out and make it so enjoyable, Alice, all the hard work and it it was hard work, okay, I know we waltz in, we eat, we have fun, burn up their wood, and we leave, and then they've got to do all the cleanup, and that may take you know or maybe Caleb does the clean I don't know, <laughs> but uh, anyhow, they oversee the cleanup so uh, but we had a great time mm-hmm. Thank you for that also I want to mention that um, brother Marcia so. Is down in the neck today, and so he'll not be teaching his class. So, young Mary, you'll stay in here uh, in Brother Foster's class today, and uh, have Sunday school that way. All right.
0: Sing hymn number one fifty. My faith is found a resting place. The first and the last verses. you
1: need a
0: handout, we have those, he'll get one to you, while you're waiting for those you can be turning in your Bibles to Luke chapter number 6 is where we'll find our text today. We're studying the series, It's Not What You Think. There's many things in the Bible that go contrary to our way of thinking, and we're studying on those uh, ideas uh, through this series of lessons. We're on lesson number four today, and it's on this topic of give and it shall be given. And that's totally opposite of what this world pushes and what you see in our economic system, what you see in uh, the the job force today. It's uh, It's not what you think. Uh, But God calls us to something higher and something greater, and he has great riches and great blessings in store for us if we would but follow him. So Luke chapter number six and verse thirty-eight, if you'd find yourself there, I'll read it aloud as you follow along. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. So I ask the question as we open this lesson today, do you consider yourself a giver or a taker? There are a lot of takers in this world today, but we need to ask the question of ourselves and uh, measure ourselves against what God calls us to be. Are we a giver or are we a taker? And we've all met those takers and we've been around them and we've probably participated in being a taker ourselves time and again in our lives. But no matter how much you give or how much they get, it doesn't seem to be enough. Uh, They never are content, and they always seem to want more. And that's uh, obviously what our society is based on today, is going after all you can get. And once you get that, get some more. And that's the mentality all around us, and we need to be cautious of it. And there's a story of a Russian a gentleman, in February 2018, a 22-year-old man in Russia wanted to get the family inheritance. So in order to speed up the process, he hired a hitman to take out his family. What he did not know was that the man he hired was an undercover police officer. The officer told the man's parents, who were devastated, but they agreed to the officer's plan to fake their deaths in order to have their son arrested for attempted murder. When the officer disguised himself as a hitman, He sent pictures to the son of the job supposedly accomplished. He expressed delight and promised he would pay the promised fee as soon as he retrieved his inheritance. Instead, he was immediately arrested. And that's uh, hopefully the extreme that we would see here uh, in this mentality. But it is uh, that mentality that takes us down the wrong path of wanting to gain and wanting to get it whatever the cost. And uh, we need to be cautious of it in our Christian lives. So as crazy and as sad as that story is, it illustrates the self-centered heart of the taker. It's all about themselves. And though we may never take it to that extreme, if we are not careful, we can fall into the give me, I deserve trap and live for selfish gain. And that's uh, the mentality of our society today. It's all about what they can get, and it's about what they can take, and about what society can give them. It's all about pleasure and selfish gain. The Bible tells us, very contrary, in several areas, we're going to look at a lot of Scripture today, but in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, the Bible here says that selfishness will be the characteristics of the last days. It says this, for men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. So we live in a taker society. People are out to get whatever they can from others. Every time you turn around, there seems to be another scam trying to cheat people out of their money. And if you get an email saying the prince of some foreign land wants to send you some money, don't give in to it. Don't submit to it, but we see these scams all around us. People trying to get something for nothing. And it's a shame that so many people are caught up with trying to get something for nothing. According to the Federal Trade Commission, nearly 11% of U.S. adults, or an estimated 25.6 million people, had paid for fraudulent products and services in 2011. The most reported frauds involved weight loss products, prize promotions, unauthorized billing for buyer's clubs or internet services, and work-at-home programs. So I'm sure, and maybe you've been uh, a victim of some of these things, uh, but these type of uh, scams are around us, and it's all from this self-centered taker society mentality that is around us. God's way is different, however, and we must understand what God's way is, and as Christians, desire to follow His way. He wants us to give and He promises that He will bless us in return. We read it in our scripture as we opened the lesson this morning uh, that God wants to bless the giver. So we tend to think it is important to get, to keep, to hoard for the future. But the Bible tells us to give. This does not mean that we should not save money. It means that in addition to saving, God wants us to see the importance of giving. So there's a balance here, and God wants us to see the importance of giving of ourselves, not only in money, but giving of ourselves and our talents and our service to the Lord. That's what He desires from us. So we need to, as we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us and we have a new uh, nature within us, we need to feed that new nature, and that new nature desires for us to give, to give of ourselves. Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. If you've ever gardened before, nothing grows unless you go out and sow the seed. Unless you give liberally of that seed to the soil to allow it to produce multiple and multi- twofold fruits because of what you gave. So that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to understand that giving It shall be given. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. So we tend to think this way, that when we give, we lose something. We're giving away something of, of importance to us, of value to us. As selfish beings, our inclination is to get and to keep instead of give. The expression, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can, aptly describes our greedy nature. But Luke 6.38 tells us otherwise, as we read already, give and it shall be given unto you. And then he goes on to describe how it's going to be given unto you. And it's uh, an awesome way that God wants to bless and to provide and to uh, honor our service and our gift of sacrifice back to Him in this way. So we are to give because that is the means through which we receive God's blessings. In God's economy, givers gain what they can never lose, while takers lose what they can never gain. So why does a person become a giver? Well, there's three things we're going to look at to understand how I can uh, adapt this giver's mentality into my life. So, in order to understand the giver's mentality, we have to understand God. and We have to try and understand things from His point of view. And first we see, has this thing been advancing all along here? What's going on? Well, you've got a sneak peek already. Alright, first of all, He gives salvation. He gives salvation. That's not the first point. This is the first point. Givers understand the character of God. All right, so we have to understand God. If we understand His character, it helps us to get a a good mindset of a giver mentality because God gave the ultimate gift, which we're we're going to see, and you already saw the point, so you know where we're going. Luke 6.38, we see not only God's command to give, but the very character of God Himself. This verse is from Luke's account of our Lord's Sermon on the Mount in which He instructs man on how to live. Note, however, that even as Jesus gives this instruction, He is living the example before them. And He's given the example to us, written in the Word of God, of how we are to live this giver's mentality. God does not instruct us to do what He has not done Himself. He set the precedent on how He expects us to live with His earthly life, establishing a pattern for us to follow. If you'd turn to Colossians chapter 1, God calls us, To give because His nature is to give. We see this from the beginning of creation. Colossians 1 verse 16 says here, For by Him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, And by Him all things consist. So God, as the Creator of the universe, originated everything and owes nothing to anyone. In fact, everyone owes everything to Him. Despite that, God still chooses to give to His creation. What an awesome God we serve. 2 Peter 1.3 According as His divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Then Psalm eighty four eleven says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. So we see here some, that God wants to bless, that God wants to uh, pour out His blessings on us. But the stipulations are there and we've read them in just a couple verses here already that we need to live godly, that we need to walk uprightly, that we need to walk according to His ways. So God did not stop at bestowing us breath, but continues to furnish us with all things for preservation of our physical and spiritual life. When we consider what God has already lavished on us, we can scarcely begin to imagine the blessings in store when we follow God's command to give. So the first thing we see here under this point is that He gives salvation. If we pick one of the many gifts that God has given uh, to us and blessed us with, uh, above all others it would be this, the gift of salvation. His generosity toward us knows no boundaries. Even that his, uh, in giving of His own life. In Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. John ten eleven says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth His life for the sheep. And then we know John 3, 16 very well. For God so loved the world. What did He do? He gave. That He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we see the very nature of God is that of giving. If God has given His own life for us, He will not refuse us anything less than His best. To have the giver Himself as the Savior is the greatest gift mankind can receive. The creator of the universe, giving of Himself to His creation. But God's gift of Himself is only the beginning to more of His goodness. As good as salvation is, God has more for you. God wants to bless you in even more ways. So He gives you salvation... But next, He gives you security. So after He saves us, God seals us with the Holy Spirit of promise, who preserves us until the day of redemption. He secures our salvation and assures us that nothing can ever separate us from Him. Aren't you thankful that it's not up to you and I to keep our salvation? I'm thankful that God, who gives the gift of salvation, and as we accept that gift of salvation, then He holds it. It's just like a, a good parent. When a, a kid receives something of value, we say, well, let me hold on to that. Make sure it makes it home. And that's what God's doing with our salvation. He doesn't want to entrust it to us. He wants to make sure that you make it home. So He's holding it. He's sealed us with that Holy Spirit of promise. In a world where change is constant, God promises us eternal security. And it is the anchor we can hold on to through the storms of life's uncertainty. Ephesians 4.30 says this, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And Romans 8.38 and 39 continues this point, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That ought to give us some comfort today. In the midst of turmoil, in the midst of uncertainty around us, we have comfort in knowing that our eternal destiny is secure with the Lord Jesus Christ. God also gives us security in the unchanging nature of Himself. His immutability means that He is dependable. He is a God who keeps His promises and will never fail us. Because He is trustworthy, we can experience deep comfort and confidence in Him that our lives are under His control. Malachi 3.6 tells us, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. James 1.17 goes on to say, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So He gives us salvation he gives us security and he gives us sustenance. With the life God has given us, he also supplies what we need to live. He provides for our physical needs. First Timothy six, seventeen says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but the in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Are you thankful for the things that God has given you today? Are you thankful for the air that you breathe, for the life that you get to live, for the food that you get to eat? I'm thankful for that, amen? For the place that you get to live. Are you thankful for those things, for the job that you have that pays your bills? God provides all those things, and we need to ever be thankful, and I'm, I'm ever reminded of those things. as Certainly as we face uncertainty, I thank God daily for the way He provides and for what He allows us to enjoy here in this life. Philippians 4.19 says this, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful we serve a God that wants to supply your need? He wants to provide. He wants to bless. We simply need to trust and follow and serve. God also meets our spiritual needs through His Word that guides us, reveals His promises to us, and nourishes our souls. Psalm one nineteen one sixteen says, Uphold me according to thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. In Jeremiah fifteen, sixteen, thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. If you're ever having a day that you feel down, read some of the verses as such as we just read, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Aren't you thankful that you are called by his name? Now he, is, he has given you the gift of salvation and you are His child. And you're called by His name. In the seasons of trial, God gives special grace to sustain us and strengthen us to surmount the difficulties. Psalm 55, verse 22, Cast thy burden upon the Lord and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. So we see He gives us salvation. He gives us security. He gives sustenance. These are three great things that He gives us But there's more yet. He gives satisfaction. God created us in a vacuum that only He can fill. And it's important to understand this. As we see people in society, they're searching and they're seeking for all sorts of things and looking in all the wrong places to find that satisfaction. Uh, And we understand this, that God is the only one that can fill that void in our life. Our God-given desire for happiness is met through a relationship with Jesus Christ Himself. Unlike the fleeting happiness this world offers, the satisfaction Christ gives remains. And we can keep coming back for more as His supply of joy never ceases. I'm sure that you could testify this is the same thing. There are things in this life that I've desired, that I've wanted, and maybe I've saved for a long time to get them. And I'm excited when I finally get it. And Maybe a month, two months, three months, six months, a year down the road, I'm not quite as excited as I was at the beginning, when I desired that item. But I can say this, that the satisfaction I find from the Lord is never ending. I'm never unsatisfied. I'm never not filled by what He gives and what He provides and what He is willing to do and what He blesses my life with. So He gives great satisfaction. Psalm 145, 16. Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. Psalm twenty-one two. Thou hast given him his heart's desire and hast not withholden the request of his lips. Selah. Psalm thirty-seven four. Delight thyself also in the Lord and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Psalm sixteen eleven. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In Thy presence is fullness of joy. At Thy right hand there are pleasures. Forevermore. Now understand that these, these delights and these pleasures are not of this world, but as we conform to the image of Christ and as we submit ourselves to God and we draw closer to Him, His desires become our desires, and His pleasures become our pleasures. And as we fellowship together around the, the like-mindedness, we find that joy and contentment as we know that we are in the right place, in a right relationship with God. When we seek contentment in God, we find pleasure that never ends because God is the very fountain of goodness. He is the giver of all good things. And He calls us to reflect on Him in our giving. But why do we give? Because He first gave. So the giver understands the character of God. Secondly, the giver obeys the command of God. Givers obey the command of God. The word "give" in our text is a command, and it is expressed in the present tense, making it a continual command. So it's not something that you do once and it ends, but it goes on throughout your life and when you walk with God. So this means that giving ought to characterize our lives. So when people uh, would describe us, they ought to be able to describe us as a giver. Since it characterizes our God, it should characterize us too. Are we not to be made in the image of Jesus Christ? We're to be be conformed to Him. So as, as we conform to Christ, then we are to take on this attribute of giving. When we give with the right motives, we find that giving is not a drudge, but a delight. Two factors in particular compel us to give as God commands. Our love for God and our outlook on life. So we see here under this point that we must have obedience to God's command, and it must have this caveat to it that is contingent on my love. A willingness to obey stems from a heart that flows with love, a heart that that is full of love towards God. If we love God, we desire to keep His commandments to please Him. We want to honor Him with our lives. We want to bring pleasure to Him. That's why we were created, to bring pleasure and honor to to Him and to that He might delight in us. So as we seek those things and we follow after God's commandments, then giving comes naturally when we do it out of a love for God. 1 John 5, 3 says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. John 14, 15, If you love Me, keep My commandments. So as we evaluate our life, or as we would Look on the lives of others around us. Whomever we love the most, that's what we'll seek to please the most. If I love myself the most, I'm going to go out of my way to make sure that I'm pleasing myself. I will be most concerned about me. But if I love God most of all, I will be most concerned about Him and seek to please Him. My love for God will, be, will determine my choice of action. If you're having trouble with some of the actions or the, the things that you partake of in your life, root out where your love is. Discern if your love for God is what it ought to be. We see the importance of our love for God in John 21, where Jesus, after His resurrection, met Peter and six of the other disciples by the Sea of Tiberius. They had decided to go back to their old way of life. They went back to fishing. And they had been out all night, and as they neared the shore after a fruitless night, Jesus called out to them from the shore and gave instruction to cast their net on the other side. They did follow the command, and as a result, a big catch of fish was wrought. When the disciples pulled to the other shore, however, Jesus had already started had the fish ready on the fire. And after their meal, Jesus revealed one of the purposes of this meeting, and it was this to redirect Peter's focus after he had miserably denied the Lord 3 times. There are a number of ways Jesus could have approached Peter in this situation. He could have taught him how to deal with fear and peer pressure. He could have given him a sermon series on pride or boldness. He could have even repreached a sermon on the vine and the branches. But what did Jesus do instead? He dealt directly with Peter's love for Christ by asking Peter three times, lovest thou me? Our love for God is foundational to our obedience to God. This is why Jesus focused on Peter's love. So notice three truths about loving God that changes us. First is, loving God changes who I am. Loving God changes who I am. My love for God will turn my affection for myself and it will turn it to Him. It changes me from being a self-seeker to a God-seeker, from being a self-pleaser to a God-pleaser. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you deal with that on a daily basis? This flesh that we live in is... Very much a self-pleaser. <laughs> and we war against it. The way we overcome it is to pursue God more. To love Him more. And that old flesh, we have the power over it through the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us. So that love is the key. Mark twelve thirty says this, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And he goes on to describe how we shall love Him. He says, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. It sounds like we are to love God from all of our being. The love of God changes who I am. The love, loving God changes what I do. My love for God will make me what, want to keep His commandments because I want to please Him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. There are a lot of things that we evaluate in our lives and we try to justify them by various balances. But the only balance that is true is to evaluate our lives, evaluate our standards, evaluate the principles that we will follow by what the Word of God says. And ask ourselves this question, is this a step towards God, Or is this a step away from God? If you ask yourself that question, I think it would change a lot of the decisions that we make in our life and a lot of decisions that are going on even among Christendom today. And I'm sure that you all have seen changes in Christendom or so-called Christ followers where they're doing things today that 10, 20, 30 years ago were not thought of. So as the world changes and becomes more immoral... Christ followers, or so called Christ followers that don't use the Word of God as their guiding principle, will say, will stay just a bit behind the world and say they're doing okay. Rather than holding up the standard of God and asking God, what pleases you? What would bring pleasure to you? Might I remind you that we serve a holy God that we can't even fathom? And I believe He's. His standards are far above the standards that we often set. So we ought to our love for God changes what I do. And I'm afraid today that a lot of decisions that are being made are being made because of what I want to do and what I can justify and what I can look around and see other people are doing, if they're doing it then I can do it too. That's not the measure. Our love for God should be the determining factor. Loving God changes why I do. My love for God becomes the reason for my actions. When I give, for instance, I do it not in expectation of return, but because I want to demonstrate my love to God. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. So what can keep us from sin? What can keep us from making wrong choices? What can keep us from going down the wrong path? The love of Christ. It constrains me. If my desire to please Him is so high and elevated in my life, then I'm going to refrain from things. It's going to change my why. Obedience to any of God's commands, including the command to give, is contingent on my love for God. But it is also contingent on my look, my focus. So next, we see that obedience to God's command is contingent on my look. Looking at life through an earthly lens limits our scope of vision to the temporal where material treasures vanish with time. Looking at life through a heavenly lens broadens our view to the vastness of eternity where treasures transcend time. A heavenly look will help us to see the command to give as an imitation to store up treasures in heaven. Colossians 3, speaking to those who are saved. Colossians 3, verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, so he's speaking to you and I today who have accepted Jesus Christ our Savior. As if you have been risen with Christ, what are you to do? Seek those things. Which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. If that wasn't enough instruction for you, Matthew six nineteen describes it a little more. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt. And where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We need to understand where our heart's desire is today. We need to make sure it's in the right place. And God says to set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. Because the Apostle Paul's affection was on the things above, he was willing to obey God's command at all costs. Even if it meant suffering, imprisonment, beating, shipwreck, and hunger, knowing that this earthly life and its suffering were only temporal and would eventually reap eternals, eternal value, he remained faithful to carrying out God's command to preach the gospel. Acts twenty twenty four. But none of these things move me. Another question begs to be asked today, what moves you from following God? What moves you from focusing your love and your attention and your desires on God? What moves you? Paul said, none of these things move me. That list of things, those things that he suffered, that he went through, they don't move him. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. So he understood that his heart's desire was to be towards giving to God. So that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Stories told of John Wesley. He drew a 30 pound annual salary, lived on 28 pounds and gave the remaining two pounds to the Lord. When his income doubled the next year, he maintained his living expenses at 28 pounds instead of raising his standard of living and gave all of his increase to God. As God entrusted him with more money, he continued to live simply with the same expenses and give all his surplus to the Lord. He was adamant not to keep earthly treasures, but lay them up in heaven. So he gave away money to charity as soon as he received it. He was known for saying what should rise is not the Christian standard of living, but his standard of giving. Having given away most of his wealth during his lifetime, the only money covered in his will was the spare coins he had left in his pockets and dresser drawers. Wesley lived simply and gave generously because his focus was on eternity. An earthly-minded Christian sees God's command as grievous and his own needs, his own needs greater, causing him to withhold his giving. He lives more for this world than for eternity. But On the other hand, a heavenly-minded Christian sees beyond the present world and prepares for eternity by investing his earthly resources for the Lord. He obeys God's command to give, knowing that all he has is from the Lord and it's for his use. And that someday he will give an account to Christ for the way that he handled the resources God provided here in this life. We're going to have to stop there. We're out of time. There's much to consider just in what we've covered so far. But uh, I think we need to analyze where our heart's desire is, where our level of love is. And the way to analyze that is to consider your plans for this week, this month, this year. Where do those plans focus? What are they focused around? Are they focused on pleasing yourself? Or do your plans... Focus on pleasing God and doing those things that He's commanded in His Word. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today for Your Word. We're thankful that You are a giving God. Because You are a giving God, we as Your people, as Your creation, have the opportunity through the gift of salvation to accept Jesus Christ and to spend all of eternity with You. Father, I'm thankful that You're a giving God, that You are willing to sustain our life, that You're willing to provide for us. And uh, Father, you uh, want to pour out your blessings on us, and Father, I thank you for that, and I thank you for uh, the way that you seek to work in our lives to help us to understand that we have a higher calling than that of living for this world, and that is to live for eternity. And I pray you'd help each one of us to understand that, and to love you more, follow you more, to obey you more, and all that we do, that we might have an impact on this world who so desperately needs Jesus Christ in their life. Father, I pray now you bless the service to follow. Speak again to our hearts, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you have about 15 minutes, and we'll meet right back in here for the worship hour.